we preach to them about how to kind of go through every day with an open mindset, like do something that you love. That's kind of our message. We tell the kids, find something that you love. Welcome to Athletes Doing Good Podcast, sponsored by Robert Hack Diamonds. I'm Shelly Stewart, president of Capture Sports Marketing. And I'm sports reporter Jen Latta. Baltimore Ravens' Bradley Bozeman dreamed of playing professional football since he was six years old. Before being drafted by the Ravens in 2018, he helped the Crimson Tide win two national championships. Today, Bradley and his wife Nikki, a three-year starter on the University of Alabama's basketball team, take us on a cross-country journey. From sports to bullying to food insecurities, Bradley and Nikki share the stories of the kids they've met and the impact that still needs to be made. Their unwavering ability to give wholeheartedly make Bradley and Nikki two more athletes doing good. To learn more about athletes doing good, visit CaptureSportsMarketing.com. Okay, I want to start with your decision to go to Alabama because there is this like national perception of who Nick Saban is and then there's actually who Nick Saban is. So how can you best describe Saban? Coach Saban is, he's a great coach. He's just continuously performed uh, year after year, you know, with, with coaching, coaches coming through like revolving doors. Coach Saban is just, he's dedicated to his craft and what he does and football is his craft. Um, you know, the guy knows the process. He knows how to win. He knows what gets us to, to that, that place. And, and he's all ball, you know, whenever it's, it's hard to get a smile out of him every now and you'll get one every now and then, but it's kind of tough to get one out of him. He's just a, a great coach, a great person. And it was just an honor to be able to play under him. What led to the decision to go to Alabama? As you mentioned, they are a perennial, you know, candidate for the national championship. It seems like they get all of the best athletes. What motivated you to join the Crimson Tide? So ever since I was probably six years old, I always wanted to play at University of Alabama. I told my parents I wanted to win multiple national championships. I wanted to be a team captain. I wanted to do all these things. I wanted to be an All-American. That was really what I wanted to do. And I'd been saying and preaching it since I was six years old. I had the opportunity to go. I, I took recruiting as a business decision. I walked into the doors at Alabama. I knew there was no other place but for me to be was at Alabama. The coaching staff, how welcome you feel the campus the facilities, just everything all encompassing is, is, is what you want to be as, as an athlete. You're going against guys that are in the next year going in the first round of the draft. You're going against high caliber athletes that are only going to make you better in practice every single day. It was a very tough place to play. You know, not many people have the opportunity and not many people have the opportunity to even get on the field when they get to Alabama. Um, and so just to have that opportunity was amazing. Uh, just, you know, I, I loved every second of it. So we know that you had many, many accomplishments on the field, but I have to say your proposal probably tops your accomplishments. Yeah, it was, it was such a great, I had, I had no doubt we were going to win that game. I had planned on proposing to Nikki and we had, uh, we had the opportunity to come back and win, to give her that stage, to, to be able to do that on that, on that night was just absolutely amazing. And just a night I'll never forget. But you, you had to be a little bit nervous, right? About the game or proposal? <laughs> what, the proposal? <laughs> um, not really. I knew she was going to say yes. So um, I wasn't super nervous. I knew that um, we had to win the game to 
get that opportunity to propose. It was just it was about the game until it wasn't. You know, once the game was over with, I told all my coaches and all my my players and everyone with me, I was like, hey, I'm about to go propose to Nikki. So all my all my buddies were there and, and got to see, and all her family was was there, and um, it was just such a special night. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot, though, because not everyone has the opportunity to propose on a national stage like that. So what do you think is the criteria for a great proposal? Um, let's see. Nikki's criteria uh, <laughs> was needed to be there. Um, her hair needed to be done. She needed to be dressed cute. She needed her nails done. Um you know, just uh, you need you need a big stage. You know, she didn't want that. I was gonna say I didn't. I, I wanted I wanted to give her that big stage. Um, so you know that that was that was her. You're missing one. Emma? There was five. It was five? What was it? <laughs> oh, and pictures. Yeah, and pictures. So we, kn- I knew I could get all of that done, um, and get get everything perfect without her being too suspicious of it. So um, we had all of her family there, all of my family there. So it was just a, an epic night. Okay, I love that you got four out of the five still. That, that's pretty good. But Nikki, <laughs> did you have any idea? Um, no, I didn't. And I, like, tell people all the time, even if I did, like, the way that that game went, you couldn't have been, like, thinking about anything else. Because, like, we were down. We were, like, down at halftime. We came back. We went into overtime. They scored first. Like, right? Didn't they score? They kicked a field goal. They kicked a field goal. And it was, like, two and 26. So, um, no, I had no idea. And, like, at the time, you know, I was all I was thinking about was winning the game. So you get drafted in, what, 2018, um, sixth-round draft pick. What are your expectations for the NFL? Did you feel like you had a good idea of what the league would be like? Or were you going in like, I don't know anything, and I'm just going to figure it out as I go? I had pretty good expectations. You know, going to the University of Alabama, that, that program is ran like a professional team program. Walking in the door, I, I knew what kind of work ethic I would need to bring into the door. I knew what um, what was going to be expected of me. I knew that I was I was a long shot. Six-round draft picks don't always have an opportunity to make the team. So I knew I'd have to prove myself as a player. And just coming in the door and just kind of throwing everything you have at it and just going and playing football. I think that was the biggest thing and biggest keys for us. So tell us a little bit about your RV trip back in 2019. What made you want to live in an RV? We had talked about an idea of going cross country. We were getting all these phone calls from schools out in Arizona, out in Texas, just across the state saying they would be willing to fly us out and come speak at their schools. But we couldn't really pop around weekend to weekend and and use up um, everything like that. We decided that we're going to put together a cross country tour and what better way than to to go in an RV. Uh, So Nikki and I went and looked in an RV prior to the trip and we went and we found one we loved. We bought it. We were currently living in the RV. Well, yeah, we were living in the big RV. The other other story. The start. Oh, okay. We bought the RV and when we, we had the RV, it's like, well, why don't we just live in it until the trip comes? So we decided to move in. We were there for 11 months. And then we did, we went cross country in a, a different RV that, that Camping World had provided for us. Um, and, and it was just such an amazing, amazing trip and just an amazing uh, just experience for us. Nikki. <laughs> Nikki. <laughs> Nikki. Okay, RV trips are fun, right? Like, I will hop in an RV. I'll go see the Grand Canyon. I'll go out to Montana. Like, that sounds like a good time. For about two weeks, Nikki, what was it like living in an RV for 11 months plus? 
I actually loved it. I thought it was so much fun. We, okay, I wasn't on board at first because I didn't really, I was thinking like pop-up camper type of stuff. Like not like, not anything that like is anywhere close to what we had now. So my whole thought process was like, okay, I am not sleeping in a pop-up camper for like months and months and months at a time. Um, and so he's like, well, let's just go look at them. So we went and looked, and I mean, there was, you know, the plank flooring, the countertops, the granite countertops. There were so many nice features of it. I'm like, Oh, this is like kind of like a mini house. He's like, yeah, I know. I told you. So we ended up living it for 11 months. I do. There's days like today where it's sunny and it's 40 degrees that I like miss it. I miss like sitting outside. I miss like we had a campfire every night, like just sitting around the campfire, just like, you know, talking about the day. Um, we were always outside. So like I missed that part of it. Um, now I don't miss it during quarantine. Thank goodness we got out of it because I would have killed someone if we were in it during quarantine. But it was a lot of fun. And I think it was just like such a cool experience to be able to do. We met a lot of good friends at the campground that were long-term residents like we were. Um, and it was just a lot of fun. Well, and you mentioned the the reason why you guys were traveling around in the RV and the interest in you guys speaking. Tell us a little bit about your experiences as kids that really has motivated your charitable work now. Yeah. So growing up, I mean, I was like 5'11 in like the fifth grade. Like I was super tall. I was actually heavier before I hit my growth spurt. So I was heavier when I was younger. And then I was super tall when I was older. When you look different, especially like being a girl that's taller than all the guys just leads to name calling and, you know, things from other people. That was kind of mine. Bradley tells the kids he looks like Augustus Glute from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory until like high school, middle school. So we talked to the kids all the time. Like we didn't look like this when we were younger. Like we looked like you guys. Now you're kind of in that mid stage of your body still developing. You know, there's all these things that are growing and shortening and lengthening and, you know, widening hips and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just part of growing up. And so that's what we tell them all the time. Like this, you see the end product, but you didn't see like the struggles we came to got through to get here. And then we preach to them about how to kind of go through every day with an open mindset, like do something that you love. That's kind of our message. We tell the kids, find something that you love, whether it's playing sports, playing the guitar, baking, whatever it is, and take 15 minutes every day and do it. So if things are hard and things are tough and you're going through, you get a bad grade or there's someone that's just like awful to you at school, go out and do that. Go shoot a basketball or play the guitar or whatever. And that'll inherently get your mind off of whatever's going wrong that day. As you're traveling and as you're speaking to these kids and you're sharing your message, what impact have you seen? You know, oftentimes athletes say that they're doing what they're doing to make an impact on somebody, but we hear so often that ultimately it's you guys that are impacted. Yeah. And I do think it definitely works both ways. We've been doing this for almost six years now, I guess in total, since our very first visit, um, four years kind of like officially, but so we do have kids that are actually on the other side of it, which is really cool to see the success stories that have come out of these kids, um, that have thrown themselves into football and into music and into, um, arts and things like that. So that's really cool. Um, and I think like, Every time we go and do an assembly, it's always just like, wow, like it's so 
eye-opening. It's so amazing for us on our end. And it just gives you that life. And I think that breath of fresh air, being able to really help and mentor these kids. And then from the kids' side, we get hundreds of emails from kids saying things they need help about. And they use our hotline as like a way to vent and a way to kind of ask for help or ask for advice. So I think that's been really awesome as well. Coming up, Bradley shares how experiences from his childhood have brought him to where he is today. But before he does that, I want to tell you a little bit about today's episode sponsor, Robert Hack Diamonds. For more than 72 years, Robert Hack Diamonds has been Wisconsin's most trusted and respected name, known for diamond engagement rings, wedding rings, and custom jewelry. With a commitment to customer service, Robert Hack Diamonds applies the highest level of professionalism and expertise while guiding you in your search for an expertly crafted, stunningly beautiful diamond. For store locations or to shop online, visit roberthackdiamonds.com. Bradley, how valuable is it for you to be now a successful athlete, somebody who's playing in the NFL? A lot of kids have professional sports aspirations to be able to say that it wasn't always like this for you to be able to say that, yeah, I was good at sports and that even didn't kind of keep me from being bullied and having people make me question my worth and all of the things that go along with those experiences when you're young and in school. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's huge to the kids today. that are going through it. You know, that that's where it's so big. I was that fat kid that had dreams of, of going and playing and at the university. Alabama and being laughed at, just being odd and not, you know, not really fitting in or whatever it may be. And I know there's kids out there today that are our future, you know, they're, they're our future in general, not just in football, but are really struggling. Especially, I mean, even when Nikki and I were growing up with social media, it was just kind of coming into the picture. And we went to school and it was, you know, eight to three, you got bullied, you got home, and then you didn't have to worry about it anymore. But now it's, you wake up, you have a text message or, or a screenshot or, or something, they come to your phone, and then you go to school, it happens there, you get home, you're playing your video games, it happens there. Uh, these kids have a nonstop, and some of these kids can't handle it. That's why the suicide rate has, has risen as far as it has. Um, so to have that platform, to have that opportunity to go and talk to these kids and say, look, it's okay to, to not be okay. It's okay to talk to people. It's okay to, to vent. It's okay to throw yourself into something that you love and not really care about what Jim, John, or Jill said about you. I think that is so huge. And I think that's where our platform is so valuable. How do you reconcile people who would say, because my husband and I have had this conversation. Uh, we have a 12-year-old boy. Shelly, I know you have young men. They're almost men. Yeah, I saw your face. <laughs> No, they're still my babies. They are. I have a 19 and one that will be 18 this week. So yes. But people who say that some of that adversity that they faced, the bullying that they faced kind of fueled them, motivated them, put them on a path to proving people wrong. Like what is the balance there? Because we all as parents want to protect our kids from those negative encounters and interactions. And yet there's this argument that sometimes that can lead to good things? Like, I don't, I don't have the answer. What, what have you guys found? Yeah, I, I completely understand that. And there, there, there's a factor to that. There's a factor that, that's built in, in people where you want to prove people where you're wrong. You want to succeed. You don't want to let them win if, for some, just the competitiveness in you. But on the flip side of that, there's kids that don't have that. They don't have that built into them. That's not their fault. It's just not who they are and they succeed to that and they don't step up to the challenge. They don't throw themselves into something. And then that's whenever you have your tragic stories and things of that nature. So, you know, that, that's what we're fighting against. We're fighting for those kids 
you know, for, for the kids that, that step up and they throw themselves into things and they want to, they want to be great. They want to, they want to prove people wrong. Like Nikki and I, you know, we were, we were both struggling young adults. Um, and we threw ourselves, I threw myself into football. She threw herself into basketball and it turned out to be something beautiful. But like I said, on the flip side of it, there's kids that, that don't have that opportunity or that voice or that, um, just that guidance to help them do that. And I think too, like as an adult, like talking about with kids, I do think that there is a line like when it there's a line of inappropriate and there is a line of like you're a bad basketball player, you know, like, you know, there's those things like you can't dribble a ball or you can't make a free throw or things like that where like that is fuel calling someone names or calling someone like curse words or things like that that happen on social media. That's inappropriate. So there's a fine line between like motivational words and inappropriate words. And I think like when it does step into that boundary of inappropriate, then that's where the parent kind of steps in. Um, whereas like, if it is like, you know, like, Oh, I'm faster than you or, Oh, you know, you can't shoot a free throw as well as me. Those kind of things to me were fueling to the fire and were able to help me get where I am. And then, but there is that like inappropriate line where I think parents do need to step in. Absolutely. Nikki, you had talked earlier specifically about your foundation and mentioned that you have a hotline. Can you tell us a little bit more about the foundation and the true impact that you guys are making? Yeah. So um, we were talking about our cross-country trip um, a little bit. So in 2018, we started the Bradley Nikki Bozen Foundation, and we kind of had our foundation on anti-bullying. So we had been to, now we've talked to over 100,000 students, been to hundreds of schools um, across the country. And we took that cross cross country trip in the RV. We did get cut like three weeks short because of COVID. Um, So we did come home, but we were getting messages from kids, especially in our home state of Maryland saying like, Hey, we don't have food. Like the only food we got was from school. We kind of switched gears really quickly and we wanted to help feed these kids. So we started food programs. So we have the SYNC program, which is supporting your neighbors and communities. We do a biweekly food drive where we serve 26,000 meals every other week. We've actually served over 1.4 million meals in the last five months. So um, yeah, it's been amazing, but there is such a need. And the more we get into the food space, the more we're like, holy cow, like we're one of the richest countries in the world. And they are so many kids in our backyard that are starving. They're so hungry. And the parents are having to choose between which kid to feed which day. So it's, like awful. And so that's where we've been kind of pushing a lot of our efforts um, because obviously we can't go into schools right now. We're hoping next year that's something we can get back to doing. Um, But right now, a lot of our efforts are going into food insecurity and feeding these families in Baltimore. It's insane that that's a problem in our country. You're absolutely right. Like one of the richest countries in the world. How do we have such food insecurity for all of these kids? It's one of those things that just absolutely breaks my heart. I'm curious how you guys are managing this this hectic schedule. I mean, between the NFL career and all of the things you're doing in the community, like how do you, do you have a Google calendar? Is this one of those things where you have somebody like managing it? Because to me, this is like, it sounds impossible. (laughs) you're talking to her I'm like the there's this mug and it's really funny it says um NFL wife and it says like scheduler hotel assistant mental health coach family coordinator it's like all these things dog mom kids mom I feel like it's just 
it's a lot like don't get me wrong but I feel like you know the it's the rewarding side of it that like keeps it going we actually it's kind of abnormal we have an amazing agent we talk to a lot of people that have agents that just kind of like come in help them sign their contract and then they just kind of take their cut of the contract is every year month or whatever but our agency really goes above and beyond for us and literally helps us almost run this organization solely with them and myself so um, we have so many extended arms through Baltimore but they have been a huge driving factor for us to be able to continue to do this whether it's you know introducing us in relationships or logistics of food planning and packaging or partnering with the Maryland Food Bank and everything that goes into that they are the driving force of that so um but yes we have a huge google calendar that like looks like you know something like threw up all over there's so many events going on it's fun i mean the foundation stuff is fun you know he loves the stuff on the field so i love to watch him do what he loves and he watches me do what i love in the community so i think it's a balance don't get me wrong it's super busy and super hectic but it is definitely rewarding Well, we certainly appreciate the time that you've taken, but more importantly, appreciate what you're doing for the community. Um, So thank you on behalf of Jen and I. Absolutely. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for the time today. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Athletes Doing Good, sponsored by Robert Hack Diamonds. Go to CaptureSportsMarketing.com to listen to our other interviews and to hear stories about the person behind the player and the people behind the team who are making an impact on others.